Welcome to the Crown Council Mentor of the Month. This year, our Mentor of the Month presentations will focus on practice fundamentals. Fundamentals are the most essential part of a business. They serve as the groundwork for success and need to be reviewed and re-reviewed no matter where you are in the timeline of your career. Coach Vince Lombardi once said that football is two things. It's blocking and tackling. I don't care about formations or new offenses or tricks on defense. You block and you tackle better than the team you're playing, you win. This year's Mentor of the Month interviews will review business fundamentals. They are the blocking and tackling of business success. Please enjoy now this 2017 Mentor of the Month presentation. Welcome to the Crown Council Mentor of the Month. This is Steve Anderson, and I'm excited to be with uh, one of our great resource partners in the Crown Council and a longtime mentor for us, uh, Barbara Freet with Human Resource Advisors. And for those of you that don't know, let me give you just a little bit of background on Barbara. Uh, over 20 years of experience in the fields of selection and hiring and resource consulting. So she, uh, in all 50 states, so she knows her stuff. She's been providing hands-on human resource service and advice, including employee handbook development, creating job descriptions, developing performance appraisals, and all types of human resource training for many years. And Human Resource Advisors also provides day-to-day -day assistance on issues such as employee discipline and termination, selection and hiring, and leaves of absence, just about anything that's employee and employer relating. Uh, she does it. I asked her a question uh, just a few days ago on in terms of drug testing that she got right back on the answer to me. So she is a, a, a unending well of great information as it has to do with being an employer. Um, in 1996, she published the first in a series of employee handbooks for dentists uh, containing both federal and state law for all 50 states. Uh, she's got a BA degree in social science from Westmont College and two years postgraduate study toward an MBA in information management. She's been a member of the Institute of Management Consultants and has been a member of the Society for Human Resources Management for years. And the National Human Resources Certification Institute has certified her as a professional in human resources since 1993. So, Barbara, welcome back. Thanks, Steve. And, Great uh, to be back. We appreciate this. We're uh, going back to basics, as you know, in terms of all the things that uh, everybody needs to know to run a well-run dental practice. And so we're going to talk for the next few minutes uh, on this topic that I've entitled, You're the Boss, What Every Dentist Needs to Know About the Legalities of Employment. So what are all the legal issues that every dentist needs to know since... You know, if you're an employer, you need to know how to stay within the boundaries of the law. So eager to hear what you have to say today on this. So um, one thing that you and I have talked about a lot, because this comes up almost every day, is how you classify an employee. Because uh, there's a lot of confusion on this. And as long as it's been around, it, even today, it continues to come up of how do you classify your employees. So can you start out by sharing with everybody what that means exactly and what you have to do? I certainly can. It, it is the top litigated subject in California, for example, but there's two kinds of classifications. 
The first is whether an employee is an employee or an independent contractor. A lot of people think that they can make that decision themselves, or maybe the person coming to work for them can make that decision and say, I want to be an independent contractor. Well, the IRS is onto that because it's all about the taxes. So the job is either uh, an employee's job or an independent contractor's job. And here's one of the ways to tell the difference. If the person does the core business of the employer, they're probably an employee. So um, for example, somebody that doesn't do the core business is me, an HR person or an IT person, or maybe an accounting person. Those people do ancillary services and those are the people that are true independent contractors. It could also be a dentist who has kind of gone into business for him or herself, relieving dentists who are on vacation or medical leave or things like that. If that dentist goes around to different dental offices, they could be considered an independent contractor. But associates are not independent contractors unless they own their own business, and that's rare. Um, so associates and hygienists and other people are not independent contractors. Got it. They are employees. And I think there's case law around that. Wasn't there a significant oh, yes. case recently in California where a dentist who was operating as an independent contractor was deemed an employee? Wasn't that correct? There are a lot of those and they're cropping up. Most uh, dental offices think they're too small to be noticed and uh, that's not true. Got it. Okay, so, so that's the first classification. Mm -hmm. Now uh, move on because there's, okay. there's more. There is certainly more. The biggest issue is about whether or not uh, a position is classified as exempt, meaning exempt from wage and hour law, or non-exempt, meaning not exempt from wage and hour law. Yeah. All the positions in a dental office are non-exempt based on the functions of the job, not the title, not how you pay somebody, but they're all non-exempt with the exception of the dentist and the associate, and sometimes the practice administrator or office manager can be exempt. It's about the duties of the job. Okay, now so, you're gonna have to, for, for all of us that are not HR guys, you gotta dumb that down a little bit. Okay. Which means that they are not exempt from being paid hourly wages. Well, correct? no, it isn't how they're paid. That you can be, a salaried non-exempt person. Okay. The problem is that you have to pay overtime. So in most of the states of the, the country, people are paid overtime if they work over 40 hours a week, which in a lot of dental offices, that doesn't happen. But in California, Nevada, and Alaska, we have the eight hour a day rule, which means that if somebody works over eight hours a day, they are paid overtime. What gets a lot of dental offices in California particularly in trouble is that they've been paying their hygienists on a per diem basis. And they may pay 450 or whatever the number is. And the hygienist comes in, she does the patients, she leaves, keeps no time records. And one of my clients recently was sued for two things. First, because the hygienist had worked a nine hour day, every day for four, three or four days. So she was owed an hour of overtime, but the dentist said, no, she took a lunch, an hour lunch. She didn't keep track of her hour lunch. So she was paid an hour of overtime going back for three years. So you really have to watch this classification thing. And there was a dental management guy out there, Steve, that told all of his clients, oh, just make everybody salaried and solve your problem. That does not solve the problem. So what you're saying is, 
I can pay him, I can pay him per diem, I can pay him a salary, but at the end of the day, everybody needs to clock in and clock out. Well, not the exempt people. So right. the dentist- Right, non-exempt, which is everybody- yeah, non-exempt. The, 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 Correct. That's right. So, that's right. They have to clock in and clock out, and they, in states like California, they have to clock out for lunch and clock back in again. And writing eight hours on a piece of paper is not clocking in and out. Dentrix, EagleSoft, um, all the software programs have timekeeping uh, parts to them, but you have to monitor the timekeeping. So um, that's the important thing. First, you classify them as exempt and non-exempt and, um, and go from there. All right, so in short, if somebody, if a fellow dentist says, uh, to a crown council member, oh, I don't have to worry about that. I just pay everybody a salary and they're not doing a time clock. They're potentially in some trouble. They're exactly. Okay. They, they probably will be if they're in California, but everywhere else, people that are non-exempt are paid based on the hours they work. People who are exempt are paid a salary because they're paid, paid on the, based on the job they do, okay. not the hours they work. So it's a different it's a different mindset. All right. So big biggest takeaway here is, uh, with very very few exceptions, uh, just about everybody on the team needs to be keeping their time. Correct. And then you need to check with your local state in terms of whether you owe overtime or whatever, depending on what your state laws. Yep. And we can sure help with that part. Perfect. Okay. Um, any other classification issues? No, we can talk a few minutes about timekeeping yeah, if you well, want. You so. brought it up, so let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. The Fair Labor Standards Act, commonly known as the FLSA, is the granddaddy of all wage and hour law. It's passed in 1937, covers almost all the states. A number of states have their own wage and hour laws, of course, California being one of them. But it says, among other things, that owners of a practice office managers and even bookkeepers can be personally liable, personally liable for making illegal pay related decisions. So that's why it's so important that your team members do record time correctly. Uh, it also means don't tell people that they can work off the clock, meaning if you come in and you know, I'll give you a gift card if you come in on the weekend or something like that, don't do that stuff. It has to do with um, people either working off the clock or working on the weekends for a flat fee, for example. Um, sometimes it's all on the doctor when there are no breaks in the patient schedule and the whole day is right minute to minute. Uh, you can't prove that your employees have an opportunity to take a break. Uh, working through lunch is another one, particularly in California we have the a lunch penalty. So if somebody works through lunch in California, you'll get to pay them an extra hour of pay for every lunch they miss. So be sure about the timekeeping. Um, also the gift, the gift card thing. Um, don't give gift cards in place of wages. You have to pay wages for work. You're no fun, Barbara. You take the fun out of everything. <laughs> I know. I, I have <laughs> and some you fun keep out everybody out of trouble. <laughs> that isn't one of them. Right. Um, altering time records is another thing, Steve, that uh, happens a lot in dental offices. How many people in your practice have the ability to alter the time records? 
If everybody can alter their own time records, that's a problem. If just your office manager uh, or you, the dentist, can alter time records, that's much better because you have a lot more control. A lot of people forget to clock in. I forgot, I forgot. This is a responsibility issue. And people have to clock in properly, consistently, every day. If you are not monitoring your time records, uh, theft of time is theft. That's what it is. It's theft. So I uh, had a case not too long ago where the office manager herself was putting in hours on the weekend that she didn't work and being paid. And it amounted, Bryant Truitt can tell that story too, to over $100,000 over a period of time. Wow. Yeah, very expensive. So, and if these kinds of practices, no lunch and working through lunch, are condoned by the doctor, the doctor can be absolutely personally liable. All right, this is a wake-up call, <clears throat> right? Okay, so proper timekeeping, and like you said, there's plenty of, uh, plenty of technology out there that allows you to do it right in the practice management software, so it shouldn't be a, a deal. So do you, do you recommend um, that the dentist review the, um, you know, the time, the timesheet, daily, weekly, how, how frequent? Uh, daily is probably a bit much, but certainly every week, every pay period, you should look at the time records and your staff should know that you're looking and you and you can see patterns people that are absent mondays or fridays people that don't clock in you can count the number of times time records are altered also in most of those systems and if you have people altering time records a lot you have a problem and it needs to be a disciplinary one because uh, it can also be very very costly so when people say they forget and there's a pattern of forgetting, it's a time to sit down and have a little disciplinary conversation. Okay, this so can we, talk about, <clears throat> can we talk about the discipline? Because there would mm -hmm. be some who would say, fine, if you don't clock in, you forgot, you don't get paid. You know, I mean, you get paid yeah. for that time. No, I'm sure that's not legal either, is it? That isn't legal. <laughs> so so and what if is you, appropriate discipline? I mean, what's the... Right. I mean, that would be great. You don't clock in, yeah, but what happens is people don't clock out. Then what are you going to do? You're right. going to pay them for 24 hours, of, you know. So you, right. you, what you do is you have to um, average the amount of time that you think that they're there, and you keep correcting pay period after pay period. And that's ridiculous, too. What I recommend is that, that sit-down meeting where you say, this is a responsibility of yours, you have to do it, you have to do it consistently, and I'm not gonna give you a raise if this doesn't stop. And you know, eventually, when people start thinking about money, and that's a whole other thing, the whole thing about calculated um, bonuses or whatever people talk about that are done based on calculations. That's wages that's owed. That's a whole other subject. You said I have 20 minutes for this. <laughs> we week. can spend a lifetime the, on here. The with legal areas, right. it's, it's a two-hour conversation. Sure easy. It is. Sure but it is. that's just one of those issues. All right, let's talk about forms. So okay. there's all kinds of uh, forms that we're required to use as employers. So uh, kind of give us the quick rundown of the things we need to be aware of there. I think people stay awake nights in government dreaming up forms. Right. I do, I do. But people, a lot of dentists don't have good personnel files. 
And uh, the reason that you have to have personnel files is because you have to keep track of what you say and do and what your employees say and do. So good personnel files, we certainly can send a list of things that should be in them and shouldn't be in them. But I-9 forms are one of the forms that I'm still finding that people don't realize that they have to have new hires complete. The I-9 form tells you that the person is able to work legally in the United States. It's a required form. And a new one was just published that expires in 2019. So if you have that form and you're not using the new one, you need to use the new one. What I recommend is that when you give an offer letter, which is another form that everybody should use, the offer letter is not an employment agreement. I don't like employment agreements. And the reason I don't is because this is an agreement. Read contract. So if you give somebody an employment agreement and it lists all the benefits and you decide to change your benefits or rewrite your handbook, can you do. can't. This person can say to you, this is what you put in my offer letter. This is why I went to work for you. So the offer letter should be just that. Here's the job. Here's the pay. Here's the, the classification. Here are the hours. Look in the handbook for all the benefits. And then give the list of the documents that are needed for the I-9 form with the offer letter. Mm -hmm. So when the person comes to work, they have three days to complete that form by law. You're not allowed to tell them to bring their social security card and driver's license. You're not allowed to tell them what document to bring. So you give them the list, they bring in the documents, you complete the form. It does not go in the personnel file. It goes in a separate, either a folder, a binder, something else. It has to be separate, so you have to keep that information secure. Correct. Secure yeah. and separate from the personnel file. And if they don't fill it out within three days? Well, the world isn't going to stop. <laughs> if, if, don't quote me. The world is not going to stop if they don't fill it out in three days. If they fill it out in five days, whoop-de-wee. But right. you have to fill it out. It's a condition of employment. It's a condition of em employment. And if they don't, oh, I forgot my documents. Um, Got to get it. I, yeah. They, if they don't bring them or they don't look good, you have to see the documents. You're not required to make copies. But you have to see the documents and see if they're real. You're not, you don't have to verify them. You can. You can use E-Verify, but you're not required to. So, But you have to look at them and write down the numbers. Got it. So that's one form. Okay. Um, certainly, the, the, the next form, which you know is near and dear to my heart, is the employee handbook. Yes. And the employee handbook is, think of it as the foundation of the practice. It's what tells mm -hmm. any government agency or lawyer that you have an intent to follow the law. If you write a good one, okay. it communicates your culture, your values, the rights and responsibilities of your employees. You know, but best of all, Steve, I hear that it tells employees that you're organized, yeah. that you're, you're, you take seriously your job as an employer, not just, yeah, come on and work for me. Right. Um, some handbooks are put on the shelf never to be seen again. But the handbook will, will guide anybody making management decisions and keep you consistent. And also, um, it, it, it summarizes everything, your, your patient philosophy, all those things. And I find that a lot of dentists give their handbooks to their colleagues. Don't do that. <laughs> Not only is it, you know, certainly if we write a handbook, it's an intellectual property thing, but beyond that, 
I get these handbooks for dentists that have, have five employees and they have things like the federal um, FMLA, the family medical leave in them. That right. doesn't apply to small employers. That's a, an employer of 50 employees. But if you put it in there, you have to you offer it. Do it. Right. So don't, yeah, don't give your handbook away. And don't take somebody else's. I get these handbooks that people work on themselves. I still am going to have a t-shirt made that says, there is no relationship between common sense and employment law. <laughs> Just don't write handbooks yourself. Right. <laughs> Just... You know, you think something is reasonable under the law, I guarantee you it's probably not. Well, and plus the fact that it changes. I mean, it's, this is a very fluid deal. You and I have talked in the past about the fastest growing of a, uh, area of employment law today is social media, right? All the yeah. issues around social media and what an employer can require and can't require in the whole deal. And that's a moving target. Um, it is a moving and, target. And something that has to be addressed. All right, so we got I-9s, you got employee handbook. Um, any other forms? <laughs> you would say absolutely got to have them oh all the new hire forms that's the short version depending on your state you got to have the new hire forms there are a lot of things that are required to be given to employees when you hire them so depending on your state you should have a very good new hire process and that would include all the new hire forms so that's the short version. Um, so in, uh, give me a couple of examples of, you know, it's different in different areas of the country, but a example of some new hire forms would be? Um, some of the brochures in California, for example, were required to give the sexual harassment brochure and a separate sign-off sexual harassment policy statement. So you're required to have those. Other things like in New Jersey and California and some of the other states now have paid family leave. Well, you have a brochure to give people to acquaint them with this benefit that they get. Um, some states have state disability insurance. That's another pamphlet. So there's, there's lots of information, plus the offer letter and things that are particular to the practice. All right. So, and that varies from state to state, um, right. employment law is different. So that brings us to the next question. Uh, which is the importance, is it important that every employer, dentist, has an employment attorney. Not just an attorney, an employment attorney. Well, um, <laughs> I work with two really good employment attorneys and they certainly have mentored me and watch over me and my clients. If you have a good, strong HR infrastructure, if you are the kind of, of employer that wants to know the law and wants to apply it appropriately in your practice, you will probably not need an employment attorney as quickly as one who does not. If you don't have a good infrastructure, yes, by all means, an employment attorney knows things. It's like going to a podiatrist for a toothache. It, if you don't, if you have an employment issue, you need to go to an employment attorney. Don't go to your friend Charlie down the street who's an attorney and may not charge you. If he's a contract attorney or a corporate attorney or one of those, that's all well and good. But the podiatrist, for, uh, that, that's the whole point. You go to the kind of attorney that handles the topic that you need handled. So yes, an employment attorney, at least knowing where to find one is a good thing. Got it. So at least have one, uh, have one that you've at least met who knows who you are that you can tur turn to. And I think one of the big things that I've, I've learned from you uh, by experience is that if you ever have a question before you make a move, 
talk to the employment attorney first because there may be things that, you know, a, a hundred dollar bill from, from your uh, employment attorney might save you thousands in pain, suffering and other legal bills. So. And of course, a lot of our clients come to us first. Yep. I call my attorney and they pay my rate instead of his, which is there's a significant which is difference. Which good. Yeah. And I can organize somebody prior. If, even if they get, I just was on the phone with a dentist yesterday who got a complaint and I can tell him how to organize himself yeah. so that when he goes to the attorney, he isn't giving the long version and paying for an hour of time when in 10 minutes he could tell him what the attorney needs to know. So that's how we can help somebody. We don't practice law, Steve. We apply the law <clears throat> so that people can be saved from having to pay for somebody who practices. Perfect. Good insights. Uh, so to wrap up, um, anything else about just the, you know, the pure legalities of being an employer that you would leave everybody with that everybody needs to know? I think the important thing is an attitude that, that understands the value of good information. Because the, the dentist who really looks for and values the kind of input that will save him or her from these kinds of problems is the one that puts things into place proactively and doesn't wait for a, a lawsuit or a complaint to come down the pike. They're prepared ahead of time. Got it. Preparation will solve a lot of problems. I agree. All right. As always, Barbara, um, if you will give everybody the Barbara Freet uh, hotline number, okay. uh, because I know you're always available to help with any employment questions as well as uh, if people have questions about their own employee handbook or lack thereof, right. uh, they can find you at? They can find us. Our website is humanresourceadvisors.com. My email is Barbara, B-A-R-B-A-R-A, -A -A, at hradvisors.net. And our phone number is 925-310-4824. And yes, love to, and we give Crown Council members and TOPS uh, clients a discount. Very good. So, and we serve- But dinner. not a discount on, on, on the quality of your information. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Just it. a discount on the cost. Perfect. No, no. That's yeah. great. All right, Barbara, as always, thank you for, uh, for sharing your great wisdom on the legalities of employment and keeping us all out of trouble. We appreciate you being our mentor of the month and uh, for all your your great, great wisdom and everything you do for us. Thanks. Thank you so much, Steve. Thanks for having me. Thank you.